you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the League Podcast. Works nights at the Factory of Sadness. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as always, by a room full of heroes, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good of you to come in on your day off, like much earlier than planned. Well, I'll tell you what. This morning, uh, thank you for bringing that up, because this morning I was, I went to the third floor of my gym, which is not a place I'm at a lot. Uh, it's where the, the weights are. And I did some lifting. And I just want to say, a lot of this goes back to if we're really going to brawl with the Damashek <laughs> show, guys, I understand that my role is to become stronger and take down, I don't know, like the way I look at it is Greg and Damashek. What do you think, Greg? Can you take down Damashek? I think we'll just sit on the side and crack jokes <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> okay. Mark, who do you think you would be best to take down? I would have had no problem taking down uh, rank before he turned into honestly he looks sort of like a, chi- a semi-chiseled superhero he almost looks like a like a, one of those chippendales dancers now. yeah he concerns me so i i'll go td td and then you know wes i i don't have any doubts about you because i do understand that in your days on tybee island that you used to take care of frat boys in the parking lot outside huckapoo's right so. and uh as far as i'm concerned rank is a frat boy he's going down <laughs> Are we all just going to attack, right? <laughs> well, I got TD. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's all start thinking about that. That battle, it's, it's heating up with the Damashek uh, football program. Uh, today is Wednesday. We are on the uh, precipice of Week 5 action. Where do you guys want to start today? Let's start with the news. Let's start with the news. K. Rich, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing okay. We're, what do you think about our chances in that fight, by the way? Um, I'm just wondering, how come no one's taking on Sheck? Do I have to be the one to do it? No, well, we're, we're on the side. I don't think Damashek wants to be involved in this, really. 
You don't think so? He's more of the Don King of this promotion. <laughs> or we could we could get K. Rich involved as well, and then maybe they can get Elliot Harrison. But then you have to understand <laughs> there will be no hits to the face. Well, Elliot <laughs> will make that rule. The problem is Damashek and Elliot's strategy would they would just talk everyone to death. They would just <laughs> not stop talking, and then eventually they'd sneak attack. Um, all right, K. Rich, hit the news. K. Rich on the headlines. Mm. It has been a while since you've heard my intro music. That bonkers sax was especially bonkers today for some reason. Yes, now to the news. Oakland Raiders demote Matt Flynn to the number three quarterback behind McGloin and always prior to start. I can't say I'm surprised by this. Poor Matt Flynn. The gig is up. I mean, listen, this guy's been getting a big fat paycheck for years based off one decent performance against the Lions. Well, it was more than decent. Well, it was, but listen. Still, it was one game that didn't matter. The jig is up, too. You don't see <laughs> a coach come out after the game right away and say he didn't play very well too often, like like Dennis Allen did. And you don't see a coach bench a $6 million acquisition in the offseason that you traded a draft pick for behind an undrafted rookie in Matt McGloin. And I don't think I'm reading too much into it to wonder what the issues are here between Dennis Allen and the front office. Because he's basically saying, hey, Reggie, Reggie McKenzie, general manager, the guy that you traded for and tried to give me to start isn't good enough to beat out Matt McGloin. Oh, and by the way, I cut your fourth-round pick, Tyler Wilson. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Well, in two years on the job, the best quarterback Reggie McKenzie's come up with is Mike McGloin. Is it Mike McGloin or Matt McGloin? Can we can we get a ruling on some the McCloy? Irish dude? It's Matt McGloin, <laughs> and that that tells you everything you need to know right now. Because uh, Cliff Clavin to my ra- right, the mailman, if he doesn't have the name right, that's not a good sign for the Raiders. Uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah. big game this Sunday night, late night on the West Coast. It's going to be on NFL Network, Raiders and Chargers with Pryor back. I think this is a big one for the Raiders to to get that second win. And to get closer to Wes's softball pants. And one other thing, I know it, the funny thing about this especially, or maybe tragic, is that Terrell Pryor now is being viewed as you know the savior of that organization. We're not even sure that he's any good. I know he's shown things and he surprised us all this season. But, uh, you know, if that if that the the train goes off the tracks there, it is. Oh, man, it could get even worse for the Raiders. Uh, and we'll have to see. K. Rich, what else is in the news? All right. Next up, we have two interesting trades. The Jags trade offensive tackle Eugene Monroe to the Ravens for draft picks. And the Cards trade offensive tackle Levi Brown to the Steelers for a conditional draft pick. These trades say to me that the traditional AFC North powers, the Ravens and Steelers, say the Bengals missed their chance of running away with the division. We know we have a chance now. Yeah, I mean, the division is certainly up for grabs. I think that the, you know, it's hard to just to package these together because the Ravens, it was another very successful move by Ozzie Newsome. I look at what the Steelers did, and I just simply cannot understand what, after watching Levi Brown this season, what Pittsburgh's front office sees in this guy. I, I heard people saying, oh, this is a win-now move. Anyone who's watched Levi Brown... That's hard to sell. That You can't sell that to me. They're trying to win now with him. Him and Mike Adams, it doesn't matter which one of them's in there. They're in trouble with that. And what happened? So the Jaguars on Tuesday night 
trade this trade Monroe to the Ravens, and I and I agree. I think that's a great trade. I think it's a good trade for both sides because the Jags get some draft picks and they open up that left tackle spot for Jokel, but especially for the Ravens because Monroe is a uh, a very a very good left tackle. Was this the Steelers almost panicking and saying, now we have to do something and a little late to the party? No, these trades to me have nothing. You can't compare them. Levi Brown was going to get cut. It's probably a conditional draft pick that's a seventh-round pick if he starts a bunch of games. So who cares? It's basically a guy that was going to get released. Hey, we'll pay his salary for you. Uh, and the Cardinals were apparently done with Levi Brown. doesn't mean it was a good trade. I think Wesseling's right. It shows that they're they're not giving up on this season. But the Ravens move is a huge move. I mean, he could be Joe Flacco's left tackle for the rest of Joe Flacco's career. And they've been looking to fill that spot for years. Michael Orr couldn't do it, so they moved him to the right side. Bryant McKenney wasn't doing well this year, and they'll try to give Monroe a lot of money in the offseason, I assume. And it's so hard to find a decent left tackle at this time of the season that they went out and got a fourth, fifth-round swap for this guy is a victory by the Ravens because it patched up what is a genuine hole for them without losing much. Fourth and fifth round pick, if he if he's a guy that can keep around for a while, that's a victory. And if this is the beginning of the end of Bryant McKinney, you can make the argument that Sweet Pea played a role. I think she did. She did. There's no doubt An about it. An iconic figure in the NFL. Uh, Kay Rich, what else is in the news? All right, last up. This actually made me laugh a lot downstairs in the office. San Francisco's 49er safety. Dante Whitner says he's changing his name to Dante Hitner. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm smelling the remnants of Ocho Cinco, who went back to Chet Johnson lurking in the Niners locker room. I don't know you want to be smelling the remnants of Ocho Cinco necessarily, <laughs> but I'll let someone else comment well, on that. And how about this? How about the idea of ever changing your name where it's, it's close to Hitler? <laughs> Under any circumstances, Hitner... Way too close to Hitler. Terrible idea. You don't want to do that. Someone's got to, maybe he doesn't have a grasp on history. Maybe he doesn't know that the ultimate tyrant of the 20th century had almost the identical last name. Uh, just something to think about, Dante. I'm a fan of any move that allows us like a temporary relief from the uh, knowledge that sports are all a business. If this allows us to have just a little bit of fun and, and Dante Whitner's not taking himself too seriously, I'm on board with that. But, I, you know, I don't know about this Hitner thing with him. It seems like he – didn't he knock out Pierre Thomas with a helmet-to-helmet helmet hit in the playoffs a couple years ago? He about knocked himself out of the game two weeks ago against the Colts with a hit. This guy's leading with his helmet too much, and maybe he ought to – they ought to have a talk with him about this little change. Does this team do the right <laughs> thing and do a jersey swap? Well – there's where the business side comes in because the NFL requires any name change for the player to purchase all remaining inventory of those jerseys that they made this season. So the only way it could be Hitner on the back is he has to legally change the name and he has to buy all those jerseys, which is not going to happen. Cause Maybe you can get a loan from Matt Flint. There's a shadowy league figure <laughs> just nodding working. his head, proud of himself, putting the claws Kevin Patra had a good idea. Contracts that uh, we should all take the first letter off of our last name just in solidarity. And then my, <laughs> my, la- my name would be Greg Ozenthal, which mm. would be kind of like a cool Irish-Jewish thing, like the O with the apostrophe. I'm just saying. <laughs> you are extremely Irish. <laughs> I've always thought you are Irish. This is the first I've knew. Sessler and I would have almost the same name then. Essler and Essling. I like that. <laughs> you are kindred spirits on some level. Well, uh, we don't even want to talk about Anzus. 
Anzus. That that doesn't that almost sounds that's actually depressing to think about. I don't want to lose the H. I like my H. Um, all right, anything else, K. Rich? No, guys, that's all it. Take it away. Thank you, Crystal. All right, so we are officially at the quarter pole. We're we're four weeks through. Well, we're not officially because there's 17 weeks, so that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into this, but. You know, just play along, society. Uh, we are one quarter through the regular season, so figure this would be a good time to maybe revisit uh, some of our picks for the, uh, you know, different awards for the end of the year, and also maybe decide whether or not it's uh, too early to get off that train or to stay on it. Uh, we'll start at the biggest spot, MVP. We're not going to dwell on this, Greg. You had Roethlisberger. We've talked about that. I'm sure you're going to want to change that. Um, I had Andrew Luck. Sessler had Tom Brady, and Wessling had Aaron Rodgers. None of us picked Peyton Manning, which seems like it was a strange decision. I did explain, though, that I felt something would happen. It was a feeling? Well, yeah. During the season, that's why I went with Brady. <laughs> that something eerie was going to happen in Denver, and that's why I went with someone else. So it hasn't happened? No, not so yet. So who is the MVP right now, though, other than Peyton Manning? Let's say that. Amazingly, I think it's Philip Rivers. I think it's Drew Brees, but I really oh, want to say one, Reggie Bush. I we do a post. I did a post on the site where we go where I went through all the awards. We're going to do that weekly on the site, and uh, I had Brees too. I had Jamal Charles number three because he's second in the league in yards from scrimmage. He's their entire offense. Wesley mentions he closes out every game. I had Jimmy Graham fourth. Who's more dominant right now catching the ball than Jimmy Graham? Nobody. He's you can't stop it. I go Rivers because I think Breeze. Listen, that team is on the radar after that Monday night game. Everyone's like, "Oh wait, this potentially is a Super Bowl team." We forgot how good they were under Peyton, but Breeze is doing what we expect Breeze to do. Rivers was left for dead by the side of the road. Can you be an MVP if you blew the first game of the season <laughs> and then you lost to the Titans because uh, you couldn't close them out? I think he's on track. For, yeah, Titans I think that's are, a little harsh. He was one, flawless though. in that Titans game. You could He played better in that Titans game. How many game. points did they score against the Tennessee Titans? They they moved the ball up and down. He, he How many for, points did they score? For what they asked him to do in that game, they didn't have the ball. He played great. There was nothing more you could do. if they That run was the ball not an MVP times. performance. How many points did they score? Not much. Nobody I don't knows. Know. In the teens. Drew Brees would have had 30 that game. They would have let Drew Brees throw the ball in the fourth quarter, or in the first three, really, in that game. But because he's Drew Brees, MVP candidate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, let's see. Greg had Clay Matthews. Uh, Wes and I both had J.J. Watt. Sessler had Patrick Peterson. Uh, who did we miss? I think this award is one that, if it's not off of sacks, it's off of a lot of word of mouth. I think Cameron Jordan, if they continue to do what they did and that defense turns around and stays where it's at, Cameron Jordan's going to be a real candidate for it. J.J. Uh, Watt's probably the J. winner. J.J. Right? Watt, uh, I yeah. think, is playing at just as high of a level as last year. One guy we should talk about is Ndamukong Sue, yes, who mm. is playing great. And uh, Greg mentioned Richard Sherman. I threw in Jason Hatcher, too, because I've watched every Cowboys game, and I have a hard time believing there's more than five guys playing better right now than Jason Hatcher. I mean, he's been such a factor. So through a quarter of the season, I think Watt, for Defensive Player of the Year, it should be as almost as big a you know, blowout as Manning for MVP. We better mention Justin Houston or the new whiniest fans in the country. The Kansas City Chiefs will come after us. <laughs> I smell a rant coming. No, oh, there's a rant coming. Well, on let's the hear it. Well, you, you have beef with the Chiefs. The floor the is yours, Wes. Look, Chiefs I'm fans. getting all these Chiefs fans are bent out of shape. Every week, 
since the beginning, I have mentioned how great their defense is. I, I've made it a point to mention this because they're playing great. And I pick against them a couple of times, and apparently they're hanging on my, my picks. <laughs> Like for a game, if I get a Sessler and I get a feeling that another team might beat them, it's disrespectful to the Chiefs. Can't you just enjoy your 4-0 start with your boring quarterback? Uh, I'd, I'd rather watch grass grow than watch Alex Smith play quarterback. How many people have you blocked on Twitter? Uh, roughly half of Twitter. Actually, you know what we should do? We should have Wes check. And then maybe we'll we'll all take a guess and we'll see what whoever comes closest. I don't know. How do you know? How can can you check I don't that? Know. To sum up this rant, <laughs> you're four and zero. Who cares what anyone else thinks about your team? Enjoy your team's hot start. Well, if you really want to get Chiefs fans mad, it's funny you say this. I do this quarterback index thing where I rank them all, and I figured quarter poll. I decided to go one to thirty-two uh, this week. Had Alex Smith twenty-five. Might have been a little harsh. And, yeah, I got about 30 or 40 people just saying they'll never read me again. I'm a joke. And, you know why? Uh, why? After Dalton. <laughs> he, he was after Andy Dalton. Well, he, right? Isn't he? I don't know. Wes, since it's still in its nascent form, can you explain what AD after Dalton means? After Dalton is the point at which your quarterback is no longer the solution. He's a problem. And it's meant to be a ranking of quarterbacks. We consider your quarterback to be worse than Andy Dalton. I think Alec, it almost could be after Alex Smith because he's kind of that guy too. You could do worse than him, and you can win games with him, but you should want to do better. I think it works for Dalton because he is a problem, whereas Alex Smith could be a Trent Dilfer type of game manager. Dalton turns the ball over too much to be a game manager. All right, let's steer back towards our conversation. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, Kevin Patra... Wow. So, well, you got such a, a stickler. Well, listen, we're talking defensive player of the year. And we're talking about AD. I just, you know, and I know I played a part <laughs> in that, but you know, we got to get the train back on the tracks. Kevin Patrick, by the way, chose Alden Smith as defensive player of the year. That might not happen. Prediction. <laughs> That's a rough pick. Uh, okay, moving on. Coach of the year, Sessler. You had Mark Tressman, mostly because he spells his name with a C, right? His Largely. Uh, Wes had Mike Tomlin. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Dan had. Rod, Rob Chudzinski, feeling decent about that. And Greg had Chip Kelly. Oh, I thought I had Andy Reid, really? Yeah, uh, oh, Chip Kelly. Um, Andy Reid is the runaway favorite right now, right? This I, is an award that's really hard to have. How did a, none of us take Andy Reid? This is an award that it almost is meaningless to pick after four games because everyone is a favorite. I mean, if Bill Belichick keeps this up, he'll win. If Sean Payton keeps it, they're not all going to keep it up at this rate, I think they would be right in the mix. Can Sean Payton win? I don't... With with everything that happened, is it tougher for him to win to be seen as a positive narrative? I think he's coach of the year material if, if they turn around and go 13-3. He would be my pick because I think we've already seen what he's done in game. I take him over Reed personally. I just don't know if that will happen. And I think you should get credit for your hires. I mean, that's what we're giving Reed credit for because their offense is better, but it's not great. It's really what he's done in the organization. Uh, let's give Jim Schwartz a little love, too. How about that? Yeah. I like that line. Yeah, I, I have a tough know. time with that one. Oh, what about this? And, Greg, you might be able to help with help us with this. I'm not sure. Uh, 2007, did Belichick get Coach of the Year, 16-0? Yeah, he did. All right, so John Fox has to be thought about. Certainly. Peyton Manning's coaching that offense. Well, there's a lot of teams on pace to go 16-0. and The Chiefs are. Yeah, but come on. There's a difference. Just like no one Now bought, they're after nobody, you. Yeah. <laughs> nobody bought into the Dolphins as an undefeated team, and they showed it on Monday. So You're right. 
Yeah. Good. That's analysis, Dan. That is sharp. Thank you. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving right along. Rookies of the year. Greg uh, had Eddie Lacy and Alec Ogletree. Uh, I had Eddie Lacy and uh, Honey Badger. Sessler had DeAndre Hopkins and Star Lou Talele. And Wessling had Eddie Lacy and also Tyron Mathieu. <laughs> wow. Lutulele. I don't you. What is this going on? I would probably oh, pick correct <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> I would French. probably pick Gio there. Bernard as my offensive rookie of the year through four games, but I'm not changing my pick. I think Lacey still has a chance to be that guy the rest of the way. Defense, Honey Badgers played great. I have I have no problem sticking with that pick. Um I do like Sessler's boy Star Latule though. I'm not I will changing s- any picks. It's only four weeks. You're not allowed to change. Yes, are we, we are. We are allowed well, to do whatever we feel like, this, basically. Yeah, well, that's the Jim Harbaugh. We can do what we want <laughs> well, to do. Well, that was the exercise, I thought. We could jump off the train oh. that we boarded initially. No, we can't get off, but it's just a matter of, you know, could we if we had that option? It doesn't matter. I, I, would, I would knock it off. I will say, I'd like, I think Hopkins, to win this kind of thing, needs to string together. He seems a little up and down to me in, in, in that offense. He disappears too much. Yeah. Uh, he had that... Great week two game, but uh, he still seems to be finding a role in that offense. Star to me, if he, I think he could get Kiko, Kikoed here by Kiko Alonso, <laughs> Alonso. But I, I'm going, I'm going star. I think that honestly, he he doesn't look like a rookie to me. That's the big difference between him and Alonso. He just looks like he's been in there for three or four years. Right. There's a lot m- more good uh, defensive candidates. Ziggy Ansah's played well. Not saying he's the guy right now, but it, it, he could get there. Uh, Sheldon Richardson's play well. You mentioned Alonzo. I think Mingo. I think Star is the pick right now for me, but there's no runaway. I think it's Bartavious. it's interesting, but uh, you know, but Mingo is is down at the five, six, seven, Terry, and that shows how long, how how strong this list is. If he's down that far, I'll be annoyed, and I know Wes will too. If Manuel, if he doesn't sharply improve, wins Offensive Player because he's a quarterback because he hasn't played well. Exactly, he's been okay. He hasn't been that much worse of an NFL player than Gio Bernard or DeAndre Hopkins necessarily because he's helping them. I think you have to judge quarterbacks on a different level. He's made plays to help them win, and he's not, right? (laughs) It's not a great class for offensive because you know what? We would have thought, oh, Tavon Austin could potentially be running away with this thing. He's not even on the radar. Right, which... Were you going to say something? Else? Well, I mean, that's a sliding scale. You, you can say that about anybody. Is Sam Bradford an MVP candidate because he helped the Rams to a win? <laughs> I think a rookie quarterback. I think quarterbacks do end up getting extra credit for a good reason because it Gio like, Bernard hasn't been that huge of a factor relatively. He would be my pick too. I it take sounds Hopkins like you're over. saying because other people do it this way, we're going to do it this way. No, I think quarterbacks shouldn't get extra credit if they're not playing well. He's played okay. He's played about played what you would, the, uh, you would played poorly. He's played what you would want out of a rookie quarterback. I think they're happy with him. Not what I would want out of a rookie quarterback. <laughs> You're tough. I, you know? Maybe I am, but I like quarterbacks who Mark play. Mark and well. I are going to excuse ourselves from the room so you guys can hash <laughs> this so out. Some real heat here today. Um, how about this? How about okay? So those are the awards. Uh, biggest surprise this year, either a player or team or coach. Mark, why don't you start things off? I have to go Cameron Jordan. Uh, I did not watch enough of him last year to, on anything that he had done, predict he would get off to the strong start. Frankly, the whole defense, uh, you know, outside of Greg, no one saw this coming. And uh, he's my pick. I think he just he's looked dominant consistently. Oh, if you did watch him, it wouldn't have helped you because he was a great run stopper. He kind of seemed like one of those 3-4 defensive ends 
that stop the run and can't rush the passer. And he's it's like he's a new player. Here's the juicy stat, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Cameron Jordan has 16 QB hits uh, through four games, which is better than J.J. Watt. So to say who has 13. So to say that he is improved as a pass rusher is really almost an understatement. He was, he was a run defense specialist last year. and I wonder how much you credit Rob Ryan for turning him into a pass rusher. Can't stop that Saints defense, Wes. I know. Uh, I'll never bet against them again. Wes, you don't bet. No, no. It's not legal. No, no. Wes, who was your biggest surprise? You know, I'd love to say Reggie Bush, but we had seen signs that maybe the USC Reggie Bush was coming back. I'll take the quarterback whom I compared to Carson Palmer in, in August. I thought Phillip Rivers was washed up. I thought his arm was gone, and it's not. I He made some of the prettiest passes last week, and uh, we should all recognize that Bruce Carter cannot cover Danny Woodhead. <laughs> so if any Chargers fan has listened to the extent of this podcast, they're no longer seething at you for your earlier comments. Hey, to their credit, they don't see, they don't show that hatred on Twitter. You know, the thing with Philip Rivers, too, is if you remember how he was a complete afterthought by a lot of people that are considered experts, um, you know, the way he was throwing the ball, the way, and even in preseason, people described his passes as, as balloons. I mean, what happened? I know it can't be just... There has to be a reason why he became this guy again if there were signs to the contrary for two straight years. What has changed with Phillip Rivers? Obviously, his, his talent isn't great around him. I think we see this with quarterbacks a lot, and we as, as often as we see it, I mean, I remember the first time I noticed it as a football fan when Brett Favre was surrounded by tons of talent. Great offensive line with Frankie Winters and those guys. He had Antonio Freeman. He had Robert Brooks. He had... Sterling Sharp, and then towards the tail end of his Packers career, all that talent was gone, and you saw his play suffer, and everyone just started burying him. This, there's this whole generation of uh, American football fans who think Favre is overrated because they missed his MVP years and only saw the years where he had bad surrounding talent. And that's the kind of thing that Big Ben is dealing with the first few weeks this year. Rivers is dealing with it, or dealt with it last year. When your offensive line is terrible, and then guys like Antonio Gates have to stay in the block, it just you're not going to play as well. It wasn't that bad last year. It's public perception gets to a point with quarterbacks where a story's written, and you just believe it. He played great at the end of last season. He made a lot of good throws on a weekly basis. Made a lot of interceptions too, but he wasn't ever that bad. Well, he had more turnovers place. than any quarterback in the league, including Mark Sanchez. But so. Eli, like Eli Manning has more turnovers than anyone in football the last three years, and we don't think he's a total well, bum. A big part of this discussion is is pressure. Yeah, you fall into bad habits. You know. Greg Cosell used to say that Phillip Rivers is the best quarterback in the NFL with defenders in his face. By the end of last year, he was saying he was one of the worst defenders in the NFL with, with defenders in his face. And I think, you know, Sam Bradford, this has happened to him. Because he started his career with no offensive line, he's developed bad habits. Is it interesting also that we see Ryan Matthews looks refreshed to me and Antonio Gates, Gates looks like a completely revived younger player. You know, there was so much bad energy in that organization. I think they kept the coaching staff and the GM around a year, if not much longer than they should have. Out of the gate last year, there were so many problems in that organization. It's like this change, this coaching change, has been good for them, along with him growing as a passer. He looks, he lo- he looks like a different guy in the pocket. But I also think that they just simply said the Chargers are starting over, and it's worked. Um, okay, moving on. Mark, you had... 
Cameron Jordan. I will go with Jordan Cameron of your Cleveland Browns. I mean, I didn't watch the Browns close enough to see this guy as a, a rising star, but he r- arrived fully for him this year as a stud through four games, 30 catches, 360 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, that's Jimmy Graham-like production. The only difference, of course, is Jimmy Graham is catching passes from Drew Brees and Jordan Cameron is catching passes from a combination of Brandon Weed and, and Brian Hoyer. Well, and real quick, it's funny that we Norv Turner was the problem one place. He certainly has a pedigree with tight ends. He goes to Cleveland. I think he has a big role, along with Chud, in Jordan Cameron's development, but it's an indictment of Pat Shermer's regime, Absolutely. too. Because they could not make anything of him last year and they needed him there was space for him to contribute he wasn't a blip on the radar this staff just found a way to get his talent out there on the field i would be surprised too except i read making the leap which mark sessler featured you know <laughs> that's Jordan right cameron although on. apparently I, dan did not <laughs> no, I, you know we i did a stat projection i don't read any sessler posts <laughs> no it's and it goes both ways and you it's know an anthem. It, it, i never would have seen what he's done over four games as a possibility for him yeah, it's it's been really amazing. Greg, who is your pick for surprise of the early going? I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts in terms of how they've played. I never thought this defense was going to be any good. They're fourth in the league in scoring defense. Robert Mathis is tied for the league in sacks. They're running the football. They've turned into a totally different team, and they're better. And this is a team I thought Andrew Luck was going to just have to carry them. And... I think they're a really good team. I think they have a, a good defense. I, maybe we didn't give Pagano enough credit for getting his program together because on paper the players don't seem like they're there on defense and they're dangerous. They're turning into the Seattle Seahawks on us. They are, which is not as much fun to watch, but it might be you know their way to make the Super Bowl. I mean, I think this is this week's game against Seattle is fascinating because I think you have to take the Colts really seriously with that quarterback and that defense. Okay, let's move on to uh, biggest disappointments. And I'll, I'll start this one. This is somebody we've touched on uh, a couple times now. Uh, Tavon Austin, St. Louis Rams. This was a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people got excited during the draft process uh, in what he could do. I think a lot of people got excited during the draft process, uh, the ramp up to, you know, what he could be. I think it was Mike Mayock who said he could not be covered in small spaces. Turned out he's been very easily covered in small spaces, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the game plan around him. Um, so we have not seen anything from Tavon Austin to tell us that he could transform the Rams' offense, but again, maybe this is more a game plan scheme situation. I don't think we should be surprised when a rookie wide receiver struggles. But they, you, all, but they always it, struggle. But don't we remember this was a little different the way this guy was being hyped up. He was being... He touted was, as something different. He was compared to a smaller version of Percy Harvin, who did come in and take the league by storm as a rookie. There was a, and it was in-house, a lot of hyperbole surrounding Tavon. So I think it's hard not to call him a disappointment. It may not be his fault, but his numbers, no one would have said, oh, this is where we think he'll be First after First name basis, weeks. huh? Right now, I would Absolutely. draft Robert Woods over Tavon Austin. I think Woods is great. Wouldn't you at no. this point? No, I, no, because uh, when we talk about my biggest disappointment, I'll make that point clear. <laughs> well, let's talk about your biggest disappointment. Well, let's stay right there in St. Louis, and I'm going to wrap biggest disappointment, Gabbert Zone, and after Dalton into one big award. <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer and Sam Bradford can share this award. This team, all we heard all offseason, how they have so much young talent. They're going to spread the field. They haven't done anything. 
This is one of the most boring teams in the NFL to watch, and they have so much talent. They should be operating in space well, and they're not doing any of that. I think Bradford has regressed. I think it's it's on Schottenheimer to use Tavon Austin better, and he hasn't done it. So they are my biggest disappointment. I couldn't agree more because the one thing about them, so you know, let's say one or two weeks, and they find out, hey, we're not, we haven't cooked up something on offense that's really worked here. They go into the third and the fourth game, nothing looks different. No adjustments. Exactly the same thing that they did the week before. Right. Maybe they'll prove us wrong to play in the next few weeks. Devil's advocate, I guess, on, on one one part is, you know, I did see some some writing this week and analysis that Brian Schottenheimer has now taken two first round quarterbacks in Sanchez and Bradford, and neither of them look any good. But I really think that's more about the quarterback talent on its own. I don't think you could put that on on Schottenheimer. But at the same time, this guy now has a reputation as somebody that maybe is not a outside the box thinker on offense. Well, listen, you take Andy Reid considering his pedigree. I mean, some <laughs> the, some coaches do take middle of the road quarterbacks and get the most out of them. I don't think anyone's saying, "Hey, listen, Sanchez." And from what we know of Bradford, these are you know Hall of Famers waiting in the wings that, that Schottenheimer ruined. He just doesn't even really get them to do what they possibly could the best they can. I mean, Bradford looks like a complete disaster. The whole team does. That was the worst. That was one of the worst games of his career that we all watched, though. I think that's fresh in our minds. He he hasn't been that bad every week. I think if you pulled league executives, they would put Sam Bradford among the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Still, yes, I think they would say that. Uh, and I think to that point, you heard the Rams say just a year and a half ago, they said that. We think this guy can be the best quarterback in the NFL. That's why we're giving up the chance to draft RG3. He seems good, just good enough to get you beat and get you fired. I, that, think, I think that's who he is, but I think his talent is higher than that. Sessler, your disappointment. You know, for me, it's more a response to what I heard some people saying. Oh, th- you know, this year's quarterback that everyone thinks – is nothing who's going to prove everyone wrong with a Super Bowl title is Andy Dalton. Never bought it. So I guess I'm not even that disappointed because this is what I expected. But Andy Dalton, to me, has flatlined. And Greg, Greg said it best. This is a guy that essentially he came into the league at his ceiling. I find him bo- as boring to watch as <laughs> Sam Bradford. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bengals actually have done a nice job, like the Rams, of surrounding him with a number of skill players that... Even an average game manager could do a lot with. You go watch that game against the Browns. It's not just Cleveland's defense, which I think is a good defense. Dalton does nothing to make the players around him better, and he did nothing to lift them out of a dark situation they were in in that game. It's like if they don't roll in with a lead at some point midway through, he can't do anything to rescue them. He's a very disappointing quarterback. Here's Andy Dalton's two-and-one-quarter-year career in one sentence. If A.J. Green isn't open, the Bengals' offense does nothing. And they, those, that fan base hates hearing that, but it's true. It's happened over and over. It happened against the Texans in the playoffs. It happened against Cleveland. You get a cornerback that can shut down A.J. Green, there's nowhere for that team to go. Uh, Greg, your disappointment. Well, I'm not going to try to get too cute here. The New York Giants have given up more points than any team in football. If you didn't know Tom Coughlin was coaching this team, you would think it was coached by one of the... You know, this is not just a team going 0-4 like the Bucks, let's say, have with some drama. This is a team that does nothing well. They can't run at all. They can't operate on offense at all. Their offensive line is performing at a worse level than any offensive line I can remember. Oh, and they have the worst defense in the league. 
So this is a team. If you didn't know, it wasn't the Jaguars. They've been wor- they've been just as bad as the Jaguars. And to see an organization like that struggle to that degree, you know, they have time to bounce back. But if it if this kept up, this is the type of thing that actually hurts Tom Coughlin's Hall of Fame candidacy. I'm serious. To, to coach, if he goes down with a two and fourteen team like that's that embarrassing, it's going to hurt him. I don't know about that. He's got the two rings, and they were. Very memorable games, especially the first one. It would have to, I would think, so. It would have to be multiple poor seasons. If he goes one and then is tired of it and walks out the door, I think he's he's safe. Personally, Does two rings automatically get you in the no. hall as a coach. No, Tom Flores has two rings. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Johnson has two rings. He's not even close, and he he's had a had a better. Yeah. I would take Jimmy Johnson over Tom Coughlin any day of the week. I'd love to be the sculptor that gets just to create that. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson you get to statue in, with the hair. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tom Coughlin, like you have to throw in some rouge. Well, who would you rather craft? <laughs> would you rather craft Jimmy Johnson's hair or Tom Flores' hair? <laughs> wow. I'm going Johnson. They're both pretty pretty nice. Going Johnson. Well, we're never going to find out. So, <laughs> Imagine, though, if Rex Ryan was coaching this Giants team, what the reaction would be in New York. I mean, it is the biggest catastrophe you can imagine so far. Well, that's maybe because Tom Coughlin doesn't promise things before he delivers them. Oh, stop it. Well, no, but that's... There's I mean, no need. There's no, that's, that's not well, the spot that's a fair, the that's a fair statement. Coughlin that's is one of the more statement. humble coaches around there. He's a, from a different time than Rex Ryan. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but he is. Um, plays the don't Azoic get me started era? on Rex Ryan. All right, so that, that's where we're at. Those are our... That's our look at the quarter point of the season. Before we go, we should do a little talk about Thursday night football, mostly out of respect for Mark Sessler. It is the Buffalo Bills are heading to the dog pound. They still call, talk, call it the dog pound. Don't you don't need to talk about this game on my behalf. They just have to go in and take is, care of business. Who's behalf have we talk about it? Well, I mean, you just got to go in I'm and take care of, of business. I'm scared to death of Derek Anderson versus Trent Edwards part two. Oof. Oh, Listen, stop this it. is Brian Ouch. Hoyer, who I am. Still jury's out, but Brian Hoyer, as a fan, was in Cleveland Stadium when they played that last game before they moved, ripping the, <laughs> ripping the stands out of the dog pound and throwing it in the ground. I'll take him a felon? over Brandon Whedon. And That's now, not a felony. And now he's the starting that quarterback. That was a crime of the heart. They could be in first <laughs> place. I'm excited about this game. I like it when the random teams you don't see as much are on national television. And maybe Chris Wesseling only likes watching you know, the greatest teams on earth every week, but I think this is a you pretty can, intriguing match. You can stick me with that reputation. I don't care. I like to watch good <laughs> football at the expense of bad football. This, uh, this is my thought, my thought on the game. I said it to Mark downstairs. I'll say it again. If we want to take the Browns seriously on any level as a Cinderella-level team that can make some noise in the AFC this year, at least in, in the wild card race, or who knows, the division. That's not a good division. Uh, win this game. You You're at home. You're, you should win the game. Buffalo is not a very good team, especially on the road. They're pretty terrible. Why, do we, why are we sure Buffalo is not a good team? Uh, do you think Buffalo is a good team? They're not a great team. My point is it's not like Cleveland is facing a team that, that's better than them or superior on some level. I think this is a winnable game. And then the reason I say that is if you take care of business this game, you've got a tough schedule coming up for the Browns. You've got versus Lions, at Packers, at Chiefs, versus Ravens into your bye if you want to, if you want to ha- take a run at this and try to get to nine wins, you got to win on Thursday. I think we need to be careful of assuming too much that we know anything. After two weeks, we all were making jokes about the Browns, how stupid your prediction was to have them at nine wins. Now it looks like maybe it'll be okay. We don't know if the Bills are good or not. They have they have a pretty good defense. I think we don't know if the Browns. 
I mean, this could be an 11-win team. It's so early in the year, and there's so much we don't know. I'm excited about this game because I do think the Browns have a chance to be really good because they have a top five defense, you and know, they have a pretty good quarterback. These Thursday Whoa. night games. Do, do they? Wow. Okay, you're they have, all right, maybe not. Brian Hoyer, right, maybe, I'm getting, maybe I'm getting carried away, <laughs> but they, they have uh, a quarterback that's given them a spark, and it's an upgrade for them, and they have a really good defense. These Thursday night games have been, to Wes's point, I don't care who it is that's playing some of the worst football that we've seen. I don't know if it's the short <laughs> practice week, but there was someone out there that had a stat that over the last something like 19 Thursday night affairs, there have been 40 touchdowns and 40 interceptions. That it's the team that can run the ball better, that's one. And if that's the case, if Spiller's healthy, I, Cleveland's got really essentially nothing at running back. Buffalo, if it's a grinded-out type thing, that's not a good game for Cleveland. Wait, wait, wait. The Browns can run much easier against the Bills' run defense than the Bills can run on the Browns' front seven, which has shut down everybody. So In theory, you're right. I hope that you know Cleveland's defense is the reason they're 2-2. Two and two. We'll see. It's a lot of defensive talent on both of these teams. But real quick, let's go around and uh, pick that game. Greg? I'm taking the Browns. Mark? I'm going to go Browns, too. Oh, Better. Jeez. It's Wes. a uh, coin flip game for me. I'm taking the Browns. <laughs> Zero emotion from Wes. <laughs> Refuses <laughs> to didn't. admit. I'm a refuse Nick when it comes to this. And game. I will take the Browns as well. So that if Patra oh, listens man. to the podcast, he has a setup for a hero pick. If this will be a good litmus test. This I haven't sent okay. in my pick yet. If, I could still pick the Bills. No, you can't. No, now. now you can't. If, if you were really playing the Respect game the pod, in terms Wes. of trying, <laughs> if you were trying to just beat each other at picks that you would definitely want the Bills here because I agree it's kind of a coin flip game okay so that is Wednesday's podcast on Friday we will be back we will talk about that game hopefully Sessler will be in good spirits um, we will also go over all the week five games uh, until then uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman the sizzler the boss K Rich behind the glass and of course Lyle the intern till Friday You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Diet. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.